Welcome to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast, where we share practical life hacks, shortcuts, designed to shape your best life and business in the least amount of time. I'm your host, David Ubita. Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs starts right now. Welcome back to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast, where we share practical life hacks, shortcuts designed to shape your best life and business in the least amount of time. Our next guest is a Grammy voting member, music producer, film composer, and musician. His name is Eddie Torres, and we'll dive into his story when we return. Hey guys, welcome to the first ever live uh, visual Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast episode with one of my very good friends. And we've, man, we, we've been friends for a long time. It's been a minute. It's been a minute, it's right? It's been a minute, we'll yeah. Say, you a know, long minute. years, you know, we'll do one of those numbers. <laughs> yeah, we won't. Teen years, yeah, up teen like years. Up teen years. Uh, I've got uh, producer extraordinaire, music producer extraordinaire. He was kind enough, kind enough to... Have us here in his immaculate studio. I feel like Vanna White doing this right here. <laughs> right here. Look at this. Um, I know this instrument right here, the piano. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> Everything else is, we leave it to Eddie. Eddie Torres has uh, an extremely long resume of accomplishments. And one thing that I know about Eddie is that he doesn't necessarily like talking about himself, so I'll do it for him. Uh. And, uh, <laughs> thank, you, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. So this guy is now one of the uh, Grammy Award, uh, what is it again? Uh, on the board, something right, like that, Grammy right? Grammy voting member. Grammy voting member. So he's the one that says yay or nay to like Beyonce and stuff, right? Oh. So that kind of stuff. Oops. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> edit. <laughs> yeah, edit, right? <laughs> and then uh, um, you've been, I mean, you've toured extensively. You've played extensively uh, as a musician, but then also as a music producer, Tell us, tell the audience a little bit about some of your journey, because I love your story, and I, I did hear your story uh, when you were younger. Share a little bit about your journey as a, you know, as a, as a young uh, musician that has led you to you know being in high demand with with musicians, you know, really around the world, not just here in Chicagoland, but people call you and contact you. Hey, we need this. Companies call you, contact contact you for specific uh, jingles and things like that. So. Um, Talk to us. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, look at this place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to the studio. Um, gee, it all started at the age of nine for me, David. Um, at the age of nine, my dad walks in with a guitar. Um, it was a $26 guitar. And he bought it for himself. His dad don't know how to play guitar. And uh, $26 was a big deal back then for us. We don't, you know, we didn't, I didn't grow up, we didn't grow up or I didn't grow up in a, uh, in a, uh, what do they call that? A gold spoon child? Or, yeah, yeah. You know, with a lot of money. Yeah, with a lot of money. Yeah. And so $26 was a big deal at home. And But he bought this guitar and I gravitated to it right away. And, mm. you know, by the age of uh, 10, I was on stage already playing uh, that instrument. Um, and by the age of 11, uh, he bought me a bass, and, and, and now I'm playing bass, which became my, my love instrument. Um, mm. and, and it all started there for me, uh, just the opportunity to play an instrument in, in pretty much any setting, uh, from, from church settings to, uh, to recordings to, uh, to uh, concerts, touring, um, just, just tons of stories as a musician, uh, traveling the world, traveling the country, mm -hmm. um, has made me fall in love with what I do now full time, thankfully, uh, in the studio environment. So, so when you started playing with this guitar, um, I'm going to assume that there might be somebody watching who just picked up a guitar. Mm -hmm. What would be some tips that you would give someone who just picked up that guitar for the first time, and uh, is really interested or curious 
because you know, you and I both know that music is very therapeutic. Yeah. Whether it be a guitar, whether it be a piano, whether it be you know a bass, whatever the case is. Yeah. There is something very organic, um, healthy, uh, warm about an instrument that nothing else can replace. So, what are some tips you you would share? Well, uh, you know, um, one thing is that I was in, I wasn't school taught uh, a musician. I'm self taught. Self taught. Self taught. Wow. Um, I, I really gratefully and thankfully say that uh, God has given me the ears to mm. to understand musically if something sounds right or wrong. Mm. Um, and it took me it took me several uh, as a literally several weeks and watching other musicians a note position which ended up being the key of C, um, before I actually heard something that I could appreciate. I'm like, oh, this is actually a note. This sounds good, man. And I, but, I bo- I, but I bored my family, every, everyone else around me. People, played the same every, yeah, every song was in C. And I, know, I mean, there was no other changes. There was no other positions. We didn't go to F or G or, or the two or five position. It was just straight up one note. Um, God, I, I, it's never giving up. Um, when you find a passion for something you love or something that you're not sure you love, it'll, it'll ignite and birth in you. Mm-hmm. That was, that's what kept me going. My fingers were hurting. Mm-hmm. It's no joke. I tell every instrument, every guy who wants to play guitar or bass, I say, you're playing, you know, uh, it's an instrument that has, it may be metal or nylon, but it's a thin piece of material that your finger, which is soft, is your tissues are soft, is going to press against for a while. Mm-hmm. That's going to, that automatically will start most people or many people, they'll feel the pain and they give up. They're like, oh, I don't have time for this. This hurts too much. Yeah, for real. Uh, but if you find, you find yourself like, really connecting and gravitating to that instrument, don't give up. Mm-hmm. You just got to keep at it. I didn't have anyone to teach me. And, and nowadays we have what we call YouTube Academy, right? That's right. <laughs> My favorite. Yeah. I have a degree from YouTube Academy. Thank you very much. And I've, I've earned some throughout the years too. Yeah, right. But, um, but it's a source that um, has helped many. And so learning from from your, you know, the keys, your notes uh, to playing a song, I mean, it's just a great resource to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, it's the drive, you know, people can't give up. When you have a drive for something, no pain, no gain, right? So you you, you have to press forward and just say, no, I'm going to do this. And if you don't, if your attitude is like, no, I'm gonna, this just hurts too much, then you may be setting yourself a failure and other things too. So you got to press forward and take the pain, you know, no pain, no gain. So that's, right. that's that helped me. That helped me. Yeah, I, I felt the pain. I had the calluses to this day as a musician. Every once in a while, I'll get calluses. But I know the pain already. I know this is the territory, but I'm not stopping. I press forward. So it's so funny because I, I, I heard this song and I'm, you know, self-taught as well. Right. Yeah. And I'm on the piano and I this song um, really I connected to this song so profoundly and my fingers were hurting. Uh, and it's been a while since that's happened because I'm just used to hitting the chords and whatnot, right? Yeah. But you know, sometimes when you sit down at your instrument and you've just got this song like in your heart and your spirit, right, in the core, yeah. and it just doesn't let you go, right? And you're just learning it and playing it. And um, I love the pain from the standpoint is I know that I'm learning that song, and I similar. I may not remember a person's name, but I'll remember a song for the rest of my life. You know? <laughs> Like, yeah, I kind of suffer from that. Too. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, what's that. your name again? I'm yeah, so sorry you're being rude, that. but oh, wait a I minute, I heard, <laughs> and, we, and we on it, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, that's awesome. So then you you picked up the bass, and you really created a reputation as a phenomenal bass player. Thank you. Uh, over the years, tell us about what that was like. What did you What did you do to put yourself to set you apart? Where you were getting contacted, you know, studios and 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 whatnot to do work for them. You know, um, the one thing that I picked up quickly was that um, people in the industry um, who know a dedicated, um, skillful, seasoned musician um, will um, will call you out. Mm. You'll stand out. You know, uh, amongst others, um, you'll find musicians who who are great musicians, but they have lack of of discipline or they have lack of commitment or, or they're lack, not easy to work with. or they're not easy to work with yeah. exactly and that's a key element yeah. working with other people mm-hmm. um so being able to understand that what i want what i wanted to do with my instrument was on a different level i wanted to be a professional what i did and meant that i had to sacrifice so i would take many times i 
I take my base when I was in corporate America. I take the base with me to lunch to, to work with me. And at lunchtime, I had bought this little amp that, um, God, I think it may be still out there, but it was like a $60 amp, 40, 50. It worked on a nine volt battery. It wasn't designed to, to blast or even for bass, but it was a means because like, you know, basically got to plug it in to, to hear it. I would take that at lunchtime and sit in my car and I would practice. And I would practice routines and exercises. Hold, hold, hold on one second. <laughs> I, I want you guys to catch that for a moment. That is passion personified as far as I'm concerned. When people ask, man, you, or, or compliment and say, man, you make, you make that look easy, right? <laughs> and you yeah. say, thank you. But you don't know how much time we've invested in a particular yeah. song or, or, or role. So you would literally, during lunch... During lunch. I, I, this is news to me. I've never heard this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you would go during lunch and get in your car, regardless of the temperature outside, and yep. you would just practice. For a whole hour. I had an hour for lunch, and I would sit there. Um, and people would, some people would, would walk by, and they would notice and, and kind of look at me weird, you know, in the car, and what are you doing, you know? And, and I'm, I'm sitting down with the little amp on my dash, and, and I'm sitting in, in, on the passenger seat, so I have more, more room because of the steering wheel. And I would just practice. I would just practice routines, learn songs. And um, I also would buy um, uh, uh, videos, instructional videos from different bass players who are, I was a fan of. Um, to learn different techniques, different exercises, and those I would take back again to the car and exercise and do those routines. And so that, the, those are the things that that dedication is what I felt helped me. And, and I remember my first studio session um, uh, as a bass player, I was actually walked into recording studio to record bass for this this band, this group, these girls, wonderful voices. And it was a studio in Evanston, Chicago. And I walked in, I was nervous as heck. It's my first experience <laughs> in the studio, you know, and I walked, you know the studio. Man. I know the studio. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then we were in that era at that time for that era, but that time frame, you know, and you still see that now, but it was like all the band, everyone was in there at the same time. Mm. We're not we're not recording in sections, you know, or in parts. We're so the drummer, the the keyboarders, the guitarists, the bass player we're all there at one time so everyone's getting to record at the same time so you got to get it right you got to be if not everyone's going to look at you like you're you know you're slacking you're holding up you're paying the client's paying by the hour it's costing the client money so you got no be, pressure no pressure <laughs> <laughs> so I, so thankfully i was prepared i did my project my, did my song and at the end of the session the um studio engineer walks up to me and he says Hey, can I get your number? And I say, yeah, sure. And he says, how'd you like to record some more basses more on some other projects? I get clients coming in here regularly, and, and it's hard to find a good, dedicated bass player. And those are the words he used. Mm -hmm. Well, that, I took that to the bank. That, for me, was like, okay, so I'm doing something right. And from that, from that moment on, it was like, I always got to be sharp in my instrument. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not going to make mistakes because Correct. we are going to make mistakes. Yeah, that's right. what, and that's the other element of the studio. You Thank God for in. Pro Tools. Right? Thank God now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Undo. <laughs> yeah. Do that again. Do that again. <laughs> uh, but it was something that really encouraged me to, okay, this is how I need to stand out. I need to be sharp with my instrument. I need better. I got to be competitive. And, and so, so this day today, I still love that instrument. You know, that ju I just had a major flashback uh -oh. of the do it again. <laughs> How many times have you told me to do that? In the Wait, and we and, and we were and we were working in uh, in Pro Tools at that time. We were still in the digital format of uh, ADAT. ADAT, oh sweet <laughs> ADAT recording for so you you really didn't have unlimited undos. That was like get it right or we have to redo it again. To um, put things into context, that's like eight track version yes. technology. Yeah, um, digital. It was just digital, to put things but... into context. Yeah. How many how many hours do you think uh, we've had the opportunity to work together either in a studio or in a live wow, setting? God, man, I, we've been I've, we've been knowing each other for so many years. Yeah. We've done things in the studio, off studio, off on studio. stage, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and even just just get just hanging out. Um, it's it's I think we, the it I I couldn't even calculate. It just it's, it's been years. A while. It's, been, <laughs> it's been years. Yeah, it's been years. And working on your album was fantastic. I mean, that was it, fun. That was a lot of fun. I mean, we had great musicians. We had great singers on it as well. And and, and those who don't know, this guy here, he talks about <laughs> keeping it down. <laughs> If you haven't heard him sing, reach out to me. I'll tell you some stuff. <laughs> you know, it, what's funny, thank you, man. It, you yeah. know what's funny is because nowadays, um, when I look back and hear some of the some of the stuff that we've done, yeah. do you remember that track, uh, the scene D track with Will Crosby? Oh, my God, yeah. Whew. 
That was an acoustic kind of, kind of an almost. It felt like an un, un, acoustic unplug kind of a vibe of a track. Dude, I that to me, I think, is one of my favorite recordings yeah, of awesome. of original music. Um, I, I still to this day when I listen to it, I'm like, damn, I, I laid I laid that track out. <laughs> yeah, didn't you I? Did. yeah, you did. <laughs> It's a hit, and it's available on iTunes. Yeah, I know. It's available on <laughs> iTunes. It might be on sale. I yeah. mean, you know, 50 cents. So right. that's so funny. Um, this is, and then think about all the other artists that we've been able to, to do work yeah. for over yep. the years. And collaborate with. That have gone on to do very well, which is always um, a fascinating process for me. You know, it's very humbling when someone says, hey, come on in and. And, yeah. you know, can you do this for us because we respect the work that you put in yeah. uh, to develop your craft, right? Yeah. yeah. So now you're producing and you've been doing that for how long now? Well, so I got my business license. I left corporate America in 2001 and in 2002, I got my business license and, and dove into full-time music production in 2002. So from then to present, 2018, it's been what, 16, 17 years full time, thankfully, and um, you know it's 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 been a journey. It's just like any business, you know, mm-hmm. you have your great moments and you have your moments that are not as great, uh, but you you learn to press forward. You learn not to give up. You know, it's just um, but when you find a love of what you do, you know that's the drive. You know, it's not always about the dollar. For many, it is about the dollar sure. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Joy and happiness in the work that you do. Um, I don't know if you can put a price tag on that. Um, but it is a very important element, obviously. That's why you do it full time. You, know, you want to be able to live and survive on this. So so it's been since 2002 to present. That's so let's doing. talk a little bit about the business side because, you know, there's ebb and flows to business. Yeah. And sometimes the flow takes you to mountaintop experiences, and sometimes the flow takes you just through some valley experiences. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that, and then we'll gauge that or or merge that into what you've discovered to be one thing to help you get through those times. Okay. Yeah. Um, Gosh, so... You know, um, when I got into into full time uh, music production, obviously I'm a family man, so I have a wife to consider and, sure. a, and kids to consider. Mm-hmm. And um, I was leaving a wonderful job. I worked with the city of Chicago. I, I was working there already 13 years, and um, and so I had a supervisor position. I had a job with benefits, so there was a lot of discussion with the family about doing that. And and some of this, some of that journey is a story that many people don't hear. And, and, and a lot of times it's the valley or the darkness in your life. Um, where you're, you're finding crossroads of what do I do, you know, and, and so you're making these decisions, but you want to make them right. Um, and, and so when I made the decision to do it, um, when, when we decided to do this full time, um, I, um, I had several projects already lined up, which, which gave me the comfort of knowing I have a forecast of cash coming in, of money coming in. Mm-hmm to take care of my financial responsibilities. And at that time, I want to say I had about five or six uh, full albums to produce. And um, so I had a nice forecast of work to, to, to get involved in. And um, it helped. It, um, it helped out. So, But after, while you're going through that time frame, um, you, you find yourself um, many times where, um, what do you call it? there's a drought Mm-hmm. You know, there's a drought. Those dry seasons, man. Those dry seasons. They test you. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> and I was learning the industry, so not knowing there is actually like a drought season for, for the music industry oh, to yeah, a degree. Sure. And and so once I figured that out, it was a little easier to strategize. Okay, mm-hmm. my slow season's coming in. What what can I do to kind of offset that, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not prideful enough, not anymore. That say that I had to break off to a part-time gig, mm-hmm. find a corporate part-time job uh, to offset some of that slow period and mm-hmm. continue to do production. I mean, I think I think we're I think sometimes as entrepreneurs um, we have to learn to, to to deal with that. You know, with the pride that no, I, I did this, I can't fail, mm-hmm. um, and, and and making decisions and doing these things. I mean, you didn't that I failed or that you you will fail if you have to find another means of. So those means became, what do I need to do in my studio environment, my working environment to to help me in those periods? And mm-hmm. this is the key for me. This is what worked for me. 
that I have an element where um, I can do multiple things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not just producing an artist now. Well, don't keep my, the old saying, don't keep all your eggs in the same basket. Mm-hmm. I've learned that, well, what else can I do in my working environment, right? I can produce a song, but I can also produce a jingle. So like services. Services. Different services. That's correct. Got it. What else can I do and uh, in this studio? What other services can I provide so that if an artist is not producing anything in, in November, December, January, which is usually that dry spot, mm-hmm. what else can I produce? Well, corporate America is always moving, you know, and, and so in, in media, some way or some fashion or another. So producing music for a jingle. Uh, working, uh, doing a voiceover for a, a company who, who, an invention company who needs voiceover talent. Um, you know, those sorts of things. Um, and more recently now, uh, expanded and, and really had the hunger to learn about filming. And so... You're filming, and then you also did a score, I think it was last year, right? Yeah, year. it was released uh, It was released last year. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, an international film. It was my first film to, uh, to score, and, it, and it's entirely. So most guys get a chance to, what they call a cue, to produce a, a spot of music for a cue, which is a part of the film. Um, in this case, the film director and the producer both um, offered me an opportunity to score the movie entirely in international wow. and in two languages. Wow. <laughs> so that, you know, that opened a whole different palette for, whoa, this is another element that I can do. You know, music, film is always, you know, someone's always filming something. What was your takeaway, though? Because that, that was, that's new, right? The film. Uh, the, sc- uh, the scoring d- film? D- filming, a, I mean, uh, producing a score. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what was your takeaway? What, what's, what was it? something that you learned about that whole genre that you maybe you didn't know before? Uh, God, you know, um, thankfully, again, research. I've always been a person like to research a lot. Um, and I've always wanted to to be prepared for when opportunity comes. Mm. You know, so though I have never scored a film, um, the call came through. So prior the, to that phone call, I've always wanted to build my sound libraries and practice some. What would be what would be an you know what would it be to score a piece of film? So I would always build my libraries, my orchestration libraries, my sound element libraries, my foley libraries, uh, just in case, and do just some practice on my own on downtime. Mm-hmm. And when I get the phone call, you know, can you do it? My answer was not, can I do it? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. No, you know, I'll figure out. In my mind, I was like. Yeah. How how in the heck am I going to do it? <laughs> how will I do this? Yeah. <laughs> but being a musician, and thankfully they trusted me. The film director was cordial and sweet enough, and the producers that you know they were like they they already seen some of my musical work, so like, there was a certain amount of confidence in what I can produce musically. A lot of a lot of a lot that came out after was learning the the technical end of what you know applying music to film. How do you do it? Do you do it to picture? Or do you score the film first, and then the editors come in and edit the the music. To to the picture, um, so those things and getting the files and and um, exporting the files, sending the files, all those d- different logistical, you know, sometimes it could be nightmares. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that opened another palette, and, and so it, it, the drought seasons didn't become as drought any, anymore because now I wasn't just worried about all right, what artist wants me to produce their music. Now I was like, all right, what voiceover can I produce this week, or what you know, what music can I add to a film or to a jingle and. Um, or editing files, or just someone who wants to come and record some audio. I'll sit back sometimes. That's just an engineer. Someone comes in and they need a good microphone and some good preamps, a good place to record. Well, I'll engineer, you know. So I'll sit down and engineer some sessions. Mm-hmm. You know, those are all financial uh, uh, opportunities. You know, in my work environment. So that's that's helped me out through the bad times of or the drought times of, of the business portion, if you will. Awesome. Yeah. Now you are a man of faith. Yes. I've known you for many years and one of our common threads, and we've had many discussions. Yes, we've we laughed together. We've cried together. We've we've shared several cups of coffee together. Uh, and we're doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> and we're doing it again. Yes. <laughs> so walk me through yeah. a little bit of your own spiritual journey as it relates to your makeup, you know, who you are, how you show up. Because the one thing I've noticed over the years is just consistency with you and you're one of the easiest guys to get along with <laughs> in one of the most stressful environments that that there is especially when it comes to recording and deadlines and you know pitches and personalities there's so many different dynamics so walk us a little bit 
through that whole piece. Sure. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. Um, gosh. Um, thank you. Yeah. The stress. Um, well, let's go to the faith. The faith. Um, because my first experience on stage was in a church environment um, at a young, at that age, at such a young age, 10 years old, um, I knew there was, there was a calling in my life. Um, there was a spiritual calling in my life that, um, that I had to pursue. Um, and, and I stuck to that and the opportunities, a lot of the opportunities, um, if not most have become from church related, you know, um, whether it's at a church setting a, or a church worship service or a, a church event or a concert for a church or a Christian artists. Um, and, and so that, that being um, the road that, that I feel God is putting in my life, I really wanted to stay true to that because I also feel that my business has, has received success because of my faith with God, my faith with Him, and, and I want to be true to that. Um, I've learned um, in life, even, you know, sometimes you learn the hard way, but there was a point in my life where I felt man was responsible for my, my talent, my gift, my calling. And, um, and I had to deal with that because I found myself for a period of time um, traveling over 100,000 miles a year um, on, on this corporate gig and trying to figure out where was I at with this. Was this over from, for me? or what, what, what was over? My music career. Got it. Yeah, because I, you know my music career was always church-based. Most of it, it was just always doing something ministry-wise. And and there was a there was a there was a chapter in my life where I, where that changed, um, and so I found myself on the road questioning God and asking God, and you know really scared at the same time because um, you know here I have a recording studio, I have a great talent that I'm really grateful to have, and all of a sudden it just kind of came to a halt, mm. um, and I'm living in hotels, you know I'm li- I'm living in hotels part of the work, and um, and so. I'm uh, asking God about this, and and so it came to me and and an understanding with my my connection with Him that um, that He's respond. He, man's not responsible for what I do or for my calling. Um, he gifted me. He gifted me, and and I had I was responsible for that. So I had to get back on my two feet and press forward, walking in faith, trusting. You know, and and for me, walking in faith means that I have to actually walk in faith. I have to, to trust God. I got to walk in faith, even though you don't see the path. Exactly, you just keep moving one keep, step at a time. Right, exactly. And 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 there's a faith. There's that faith base, the faith trust that God is responsible for uh, for the success of my life, mm-hmm. um, because I'm trying to be uh, responsible. I'm trying to be uh, faithful to Him. Mm-hmm. But he also distills responsibility on me, you know, to be responsible for that gift. Mm-hmm. So being a good steward on what I do as a business in music production, um, as, as what I do with my gift and talent, um, is how he'll reward me based on that. And so once I figured that math out, David, it was like, okay, Every day I walk into the studio with a cup of coffee, I walk in with a smile and thankful because I know I'm not worried about my current my, my current situation. I know what's coming in the near future. I know what's coming up next. So I know that today doesn't dictate tomorrow for me. And so I walk in that faith every day. And, and that's my, my encouragement to anyone um, in the studio. Now, so being also as a musician and, and been, being able to sit as music director responsibility also became a heavy a heavy load for for one because you're responsible for others and um you know i I was at a younger age i was a little tougher i think i I could be a little tougher um um, because because i want i want everyone to be responsible with their gift as much as i was Mm -hmm. you know if i if i went home to practice i wanted you to go home to practice if If you're not in the car practicing during lunch you can You can't play with me. You can't play with us. You're not qualified. <laughs> and so that that journey was like, um, God, it was a, it was learning. There was so much learning about that, and and I reflect now. I'm like, man, I could have been tough back then. I was I was pretty sometimes a little insensitive. I think at times I was less merciful, and um, but I think it was also God shaping me. You know, I think it was a, a shape. You know, He was shaping me to to the 
for, for the future, for what's coming, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so, so that journey is, I mean, it's been everywhere, David. It's been from, you know, like I said, from church setting to, to a worship setting to, a, to all kind of venue, from a small gathering of 10, 15 new people to, to you know, the United Pavilion, the United uh, Pavilion downtown Chicago yes, with 10,000 young kids performing, yeah. you know. And yeah. so um, all of it means the same to me, which is weird. A lot of people may not feel that. But I'm not gravitated by numbers in terms of who's there to see and not. You That's know? not how you measure the no, success. No, exactly. That's not how I measure success. Yeah. Um, and so it's for me, it's relevant. It's what I do, the passion that I have. If, that, if someone is receiving it, if you're getting it today, mm-hmm. um, I'm super happy. If 10,000 are getting it tomorrow, I'm super happy. You know, it's always just exciting to me. I won just by, na- by being able to do this full time. I've That's powerful. <laughs> yeah, how about it? Yeah. I think, um, first of all, thank you for sharing that. That, that was beautiful. Thank you. I think one of the things that um, I want to talk about now is what's been one challenge that you faced as an entrepreneur? Because when people see the studio, they see the music, they see the recordings, they hear the jingles, they see all that. It's a business. Yeah. It really is a business. And those are services. And most people just see the sexy, mm. right? Yeah. They don't. They don't see the grind. Don't see the grind. They don't see you in your car during lunch. <laughs> you know, they don't see that, right? right? It's more like, you know, oh wow, he's got it all together, or he has all this, you know, this stuff, and, and yada yada yada. But what's one obstacle that that you can share with us, with our audience, as it relates to being an entrepreneur, uh, being a studio owner? professional musician, that kind of thing, and then we'll dive into how you solved it. Sure. Um, God, the, the, the one thing that always has stuck to me um, is fear. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, I think things that we fear somehow has a way of gravitating to us. Mm-hmm. You know, the fear of success, the fear of what people would think of my work, uh, the fear that am I any good? Mm-hmm. The fear of the other, the the competitors. You know, when you measure, you're trying to uh, do work and 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 comparison comparison to other because you want to succeed. Sometimes you have this mindset that I got I got to be better than the other guy. I got to be the best that you know in the world. Um, and fear had became was a was my major obstacle because mm-hmm. with no schooling in terms of music or or, or, or music as well but um, business you know I remember sitting behind a desk with a business attorney uh, to launch my business and my business license and spending you know a day with him trying to understand the business behind the business just I mean it, no matter what I was doing you know what, you, what you're doing but understanding all the logistics behind it mm-hmm. um, just gave me butterflies to my stomach man mm-hmm. oh my god am I gonna be Am I doing the right thing? <laughs> you know, I mean, this is it. I walked away from corporate America. You signed that dotted line, you know, I'm done. And um, and that was the biggest obstacle, was just the fear of being good enough, the fear of succeeding, the, be- the fear of, of what people will say about my work. Mm-hmm. That obstacle was the biggest challenge that I had to deal with. That is so powerful and authentic, I, which was one of the reasons that I really admire you because you. most people don't have... You know, we call it cojones, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. The testicular <laughs> fortitude, right? Right, right. You right. Know? Sorry, Pastor. Right? So, you know, <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, let's keep it real, right? Our audience does not, no. we, don't, we don't do BS, you yeah, know? Right. So it's like the fact that you, you said that, and, and then while you're, while you're describing that, I'm thinking about in my own life how fear has limited me in many ways, and fear doesn't go away, No. right? I, I think, but at the same time, I've learned to leverage fear. Right. Right, because fear really is a story. Yep. So, when we fear something, we're operating from a place of of um, depletion. Yeah. Whereas when we operate in faith, we're operating from a place of abundance. Right. Right. And so it's a choice. Yeah. So we can go ahead and plug into the fear, and because it's from a place of need, I need this. Whereas the place of faith says, I am this, yes. and I'll plug into faith, that really is, it's really that simple. But I think what happens is that we get so addicted, if you will, so yeah. so um, it becomes our norm where fear is practiced more so. I was listening to my son yesterday, we were at the pool, 
and he was playing horse with his friends. And right away, oh, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. He's verbalizing this, and I'm just observing him. And I pulled him, I called him over, uh, kind of like in the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, Zion, you're, you've already lost because in your mind, that's what you envision. And you haven't even, the game's not over. What are you doing? Yeah. And so when we when we sat down and chatted a little bit, then he said, okay, I'm going to plug into a different narrative. I'm going to start saying, I'm going to make this shot. I'm going to start envisioning myself making this shot because I have two arms and two legs. I can make the shot. Yeah. I've made this shot before. Yeah. And so that's where we're operating in faith at that place. Right. How, I mean, I don't know how we wound up there. I mean, but yeah. how, yeah. how, in your opinion, how would you tell someone who's watching right now, what would you encourage them to do as it relates to dealing with their own fear? I mean, think about it. You're here practicing in your car mm. and, and spending countless hours of time honing your craft and then still wondering, am I good enough? Yeah. That's, a, that's amazing <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, God. Well, um, fear, my gosh. I have to say that uh, a lot of it, like when I would have these moments um, of fear, um, I think sometimes it's personality based, right? Some some people are 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 what you call um, introverts, mm-hmm. you know, are or they're shy, um, and I think that those elements can play in, into the fear of being good enough, of being accepted, mm-hmm. of qualifying for what you want to do, mm-hmm. um, and so I had to kind of separate that. I had to think. Don't I had to think not like I would normally think, if you would. A lot obviously was my faith. You know, a lot was faith driven that I'm trusting. I'm trusting I'm trusting God that this that I'm gonna succeed at what I did. But I still had to deal with me. Um and so to encourage others to deal with fear, it's really whether you have faith or not, it's it you have to have you have to have some trust. Right, you have to have some faith um, in something, and if you have faith in yourself, then it, you, you don't know until you take those steps. You never know till you try. Right? Till you try, yeah. and once you take those steps, you know, even as baby steps, you take those first few steps. You see, you see the uh, acceptance, you see the, the the progress, you see the awards and the rewards from from those baby steps. That starts building. It starts building strength in you, so that. When fear does strike in again, because it always follows you, it's just fear has a tendency, the, the things that you fear in life somehow creeps up on you, you'll learn to deal with that better. You, you feel a little stronger with, uh, I kind of been there before already. All right, yeah, yeah, you know what? This I was I needed. A, I was supposed to receive a check this past week, and I didn't, and I had the check was supposed to cover some things, and but I've been there before. You know, come Monday, it'll be there. Sure enough, Monday it comes. And all, so you're all of a sudden like, I'm not going to believe in that. It's not going to dictate my fears not going to dictate my circumstance you're not going to fuel that anymore because it's right. already because you've learned to deal with it um and it's a practice thing it's, it really is if you don't have a faith in in god you just but you have faith in your business and what you do you have to trust yourself you have to have you have to take those steps and and see the outcomes and sometimes the outcomes may not be what you want or what you expect it so then you have to sit back and look at that because sometimes we're we find ourselves in business trying to sharpen our skill sets. What did I fail? You know, we're you know, uh, social media is a big thing now. Where for businesses, they're always looking for what are the right social media outlets, the right social social media uh, uh, marketing strategies to market what I do. Uh, it's based on algorithms. Yeah, we got systems out of that, but are you good at it? Or do you have to hire subcontract someone to help you out with that? You know, all these different things. Um, and so you always sit back and then look at those, 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 uh, those reasonings why things, the outcome of what I was fearing wasn't uh, the best outcome that I expected, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but don't take it as the fear that you're, you've been conquered. Don't let fear yeah. conquer yeah, you, yeah. you know, yeah. because then you're, you're setting yourself self a failure. Yeah, you've no one lost. likes to fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Failure has, which is which is a whole different conversation. Uh, but failure has this negative connotation to it. Absolutely. Um, and what we discovered uh, working with um, what we call overachievers, you know, high performers, yeah, is that which is which is pretty interesting because we have what we call just 
you know, your average Joe, and then you have the high performer. And the only difference is a perspective. Mm. That's it. So the perspective or how they see things, the story they believe is, well, you know, it is what it is. That whole statement. Whereas the high performer is like, you know what? I'm going to put myself in a position to fail intentionally. Mm. Because when I do, it's going to take me one step closer to the desired outcome. It's like there is no hesitation or fear of failure. Matter of fact, they embrace it. They seek it. They want it. They yearn for it because they know the more times they fail, the better they become. So, so, wow, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So that is one of the big shifts that we've noticed working and coaching with our clients, et cetera, that takes them from where they are and then takes them to that next level. Because you mentioned earlier, I had to think a different way. Yeah. And to think a different way may even be counterintuitive. Like, no, what do you mean fail on purpose? Why in the world would I do that? Right. Sure. I, yeah. I, I don't want to fail. No, yes, you do. Yeah. If you want to get to that vision that's bigger than, than yeah. us, we have to set ourselves up to fail intentionally. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I mean, I had a case where, um, particularly the film, when I was working on this film, um, where there was a scene, it was, it was the final scene of the movie, right? Um, first of all, you're dealing with the fear of rejection because when the director in, in, in a film is like the key guy, you better, you got to impress him all the time, sure. you know, or else you're out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hans Zimmerman and or Hans Zimmer and, and all these great, you know, uh, uh, film scoring uh, geniuses say it themselves, you know, anytime they do work, um, they're always waiting for the end result, you know, the response from the director. They may get, they may get fired. And these are, these are, these are guys who are, are geniuses in what they do. Um, but um, I submitted a piece of the film where um, was supposed to be a f- final, like, or a highlight of the film, and and the director had reached out to me and says, Eddie, this 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 is this this cue here, this moment here has to be the one. It's got to be the one that's impacting. I mean, every it's got to pull tears on people, and 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 so you know, I'm, I'm listening to him, and now fear is <laughs> no coming. Pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Fear starting to settle in, and I'm the new guy doing film, and I'm like, oh my god, what you know? What so? So I score the piece, and you know, and obviously, um, or many people don't even know. As you mentioned, the grind. You know, it, I was working an average of about 80 hours a week in a film, so I'm, I'm working through the night, and and so I score the piece and uh, the cue, and and I send it off. You know, and I send it off, and I didn't hear from from the director for about three days. Oh Jesus! <laughs> and I had a longer three days. <laughs> you want to talk about fear? Now, and I'm thinking, all right, the fear just is, is, is overwhelming. I'm me like right drinking now. coffee like this, you know? I think I just, and I'm telling my wife, I think I just lost the job. I think I just lost this opportunity. Man, and I got to tell you, the third day, about the third day came by, and I get a text uh, from the director. He reached out and he says to me, oh, this is, this is kind of like the, the, Bomb, you know. Um, oh, Jesus. Brace yourself. Do I yeah. want to open this text or Eddie, not? And, this, and it said literally like this, Eddie, I'm disappointed. <gasps> yes. And now I was standing from standing. I sat down <laughs> on a chair. I sat down. I was standing up reading and I sat down in the chair and I felt I felt failure. <sighs> Set, I felt like the worst. I felt crushed. I oh, felt like, man. oh, my God, I can't believe I just messed this up. I, yeah, I, yeah. What did I do wrong? And yeah, yeah. and so then the, then the loop. Yeah, that, every, there's nothing worse nothing. than that loop. It's like oh, it's just coming God. in. It's coming. How do you undo that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no undo button on this, you yeah. know. And I'm battling with this, and I'm and I'm thinking, what do I do? How do I make up for this? What do I, you know? And I'm sitting on this, and so obviously the opportunity is was to you got you got to do better this is this is not what i'm asking for and i jump back in there and i'm doing i'm rescoring the piece and the cue and and this is not simple i mean this is no. a movie score Feature, this isn't yeah, you it, right. on a guitar singing <laughs> this is an entire yeah. score and by the way international you know oh yeah <laughs> an international the whole world is go, going to a, it's a going to big screens <laughs> Um, and going to be judged by many, and so, and I'm the new cat. Um, so I'm sitting down, and I'm, you know, fear is just overwhelming me. Yeah, and 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 I remember just I took him take a moment to to breathe and this in, and and just just think and then pray. Um, and I just prayed. I literally just prayed, and I said, God, inspire me. Wow, inspire me. Going back to your faith. Going back to my faith. Yeah, 
And so I jump back in there, and um, I like what Hans Zimmer says. It um, he says he'll sit with a director, listen to a piece of music, or watch a film piece, and and he'll walk away. And he said, I, I now I know for sure. I absolutely absolutely have no idea what kind of music I'm going to add to your film because that's how I felt. You know, it's like redoing. So, you know, I'm going back to the scene. You know, there's no, you know, there's some dialogue and, and that's it. And there's no sound. And I'm looking and I'm trying to fit into the scene and, and let it sit, sit in me and, you know, create momentum because you're creating a story with music when there's very minimal dialogue. And so I'm building this piece again. And I finally finish it to where I think, you know, at this point, <laughs> <laughs> I'm at point of no return. <laughs> I'm like, this is it. I got to send. You, while you're doing this, I could only imagine the the text yes. looming in here, my you know, mind. I'm looping. Like, oh, I'm disappointed. Man. I'm disappointed. I'm like, oh, gosh. So so I, I finished the piece. I bounce it down, and I send, and I'm about ready to send the file off. Um, God, and I, and I just rethunk it over and over before I hit send. And, and sure enough, I hit send, and I'm like, I have to trust. I got to believe. I can't let fear take me. Hit send. Sat back, continued working like nothing ever happened. I put, I just shut it off and I just got zoned into some other work and kept my work. That night, by that evening, I get a message back from the director. It didn't take three days. No, it didn't take that three days. It took a day. It took a night, one night, and he reached out and his words were the first words out of his mouth out of was he says to me, Eddie, you've made me cry. Oh. <laughs> Those were the words that came out of his so mouth. He was so uh, yeah. moved. Uh, he was so moved, and then out of, and then like, he went out. Take of that! His head. <laughs> 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 yeah. And at that point, <laughs> that's exactly how you just scored the goal, and you're like sliding that. across the field. Yes. <laughs> yeah, man. I was oh, like, I, I, I just didn't know even how to take that. I was just so excited and. And I would have started bawling, man. I would have no, yeah. been like, yes. I mean, I didn't want to put that on the screen, but yeah, yes. there was probably some of that in there. Yes. <laughs> but but it was a lesson to learn because I didn't let fear take me. I didn't yeah, let yeah, yeah. fear conquer me. Yeah, it's it came in and and it crept on because you know fear came back. What is what's he going to say now? The worst thing that already happened. He said that he's disappointed. Well, guess what? He may say the same thing or something worse. That fear kicked back in, and I didn't want that to dominate me. I didn't want that to dominate my day, my life, my skill set, what I worked hard for. So I couldn't let that control me. I had to think like, okay, this is it. I move on. The next, next, next. You know what's next? You know we move on, um, and thankfully the results were amazing, and now I have a great, good relationship with the director. And so you and guys so are on speaking terms. Now. We're speaking terms, absolutely. In fact, you know it's in the works. Many people don't know, but there's another, there's another film in the horizon, and Beautiful. so I'm excited about it. Yeah. What a great life hack. Yeah. That you've just shared right there with the whole because work fear is always going to come and try to slap us down and try and present yeah. itself yeah and i remember hearing uh, a speaker joyce meyer once oh my say God. yeah she's awesome if you're afraid do it afraid Ooh. right That's just good. do it afraid we all are afraid of stuff i mean of yeah. something because especially if it's you know out of our our norm or whatnot yeah but i think uh just to recap this life hack as we wrap up this conversation what you're, what you're saying is that one way to handle fear in business is in your case you're like you know what i'm going to plug into my faith and i'm going to trust the process yeah. and just let the cards fall where they may at that point whereas perhaps in the previous attempt or the first attempt your first submission it was more so you know depending upon you know my skill set depending upon you know my experience or whatnot and then when you saw that hey i'm disappointed battling through which i commend you most people would have given up right there <laughs> most people would have needed a diaper like at that what? point yeah yeah, yeah I, i'm yeah. out right, <laughs> you know? right yeah check please <laughs> you know? but in your case you're like you know what man i am going to try this again and that took major courage and major strength internally to say you know what i can do better and yeah. then what did you do you drew upon the giver of the gift yeah and he carried you through. Powerful. Yeah. Thank Powerful. you. Thank you. It's you know we we all have to we all have to trust. You know we all have to believe in something. Um, and if you want to be successful in your in what you do, um, and and again, success for me doesn't it you know it's not measured necessarily with a dollar symbol to it. There is a there is 
money or there is a value to happiness in what you do. Um, and as ironic as, as, as an example that I may use now, I remember seeing on Everyone Loves Raymond. You remember that show? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Where he commented to that. He might, you know, he, you know, they had asked him about how much money he made as a, as a sports producer or a sports, uh, a radio guy announcer or something. As he was a writer. Sports writer. Yeah, something for a sports writer. Mm-hmm. And, um, just to comment that he, you know, saying that, um, he's happy. He's happy. I, I love what I do. It doesn't matter how much money I make. You know, it's just that I'm happy and I'm able to do it. That's right. Yeah, there's people who make a lot of money and they're very miserable yeah, at it sure. too. For sure. Um, so um, that I hang on to. You know, yeah, there was a, there was a musical part. Every 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 musician and what whatever you do, right? Singer or play musician, produce or score. Everyone always seeks that Hollywood fame. You know and. Um, you know, I have got I had an opportunity to sit with some of the greatest people in the industry in Beverly Hills and Hilton with all these major name, major producers. And, you know, it was a wonderful experience, um, but it didn't necessarily I didn't feel necessarily like it brought joy to me. Mm-hmm. It was more of an experience. Oh, OK, this is what it's like. Oh, this is cool. It's great people, great talents, you know. But I often I often ask how many are really happy in their setting, what they do. You know, would they would they want to keep that status where they're at now or would they be happy to do like what I do just be able to have a grab a cu- grab a cup of coffee every morning and jump in the studio and make some music you know no matter what you are truly living <laughs> living the dream it's beautiful <laughs> I want to always believe that yep. it's beautiful yeah Eddie Torres thank you for your time again Eddie, for thank you. this uh beautiful backdrop here absolutely guys i hope you enjoyed the episode as much as i have and uh stay tuned for the next episode or for the next segment uh some final words Thank you for listening to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast with your host, nationally featured author, speaker, and online marketing strategist, David Ubeda. We'd love to hear from you. Visit our Facebook page right now and tell us about your favorite episode at Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs. And make sure to share this episode with someone else. This would also inspire. Until next time, continue to grind, grow, and give.